Welcome to Strange Familiars. On tonight's episode, I will be talking with Jay. He's a return guest. He was on the show a while ago, and he's going to be sharing some stories that happened to him in the meantime. Sleep paralysis, visitors, things holding him down, a gray alien which appeared motionless like a statue, and this very odd dancing shape. I'm also going to be talking with Adam and Surf from Conspiranormal and the Strange Realities Conference about this year's conference and some other things that they have going on. Before we get to that, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. We could not make Strange Familiars without you. If you like Strange Familiars and you'd like to get bonus content and help us continue to make the show, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's different tiers of support there, but all of our patrons... No matter what tier you choose, get the weekly episodes ad-free, as well as full extra episodes of Strange Familiars every month. Again, if you want to help us out, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's also a way to subscribe through Apple Podcasts. It's called Patron of the Strange. Patrons on Apple Podcasts also get the commercial-free episodes and the bonus episodes every month. If you just want to make a one-time donation, there's a paypal.me link in the show notes for every episode, at strangefamiliars.com. All right, let's go ahead and hear from Adam and Surf of Conspiranormal and the Strange Realities Conference. I've got Conspiranormal in the house. Adam and Surf, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing well, sir. How are you? All right. I feel like we haven't talked for like, you know, about a year. Gosh, probably. Yeah, it's been a little bit, that's for sure. What's up in Conspiranormal Land? Well, we are currently getting ready to do Strange Realities Conference again. Yeah, man. This is what, the, time of year. the 400th annual? Yeah, something. Yeah, it's the 400th annual. <laughs> you, you are correct. <laughs> you are the, absolutely correct. The, the quad it's, centennial. It's, uh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually the fifth annual this year. This is now the fifth year that we've done this. And you've been a part of each one, too. I know. Yeah, you have. Yeah, it's been um, an honor. It's been an honor. Of course, this will be the fourth one that we've done, like I say, quote unquote, live at a venue, um, because in 2020, for obvious reasons, we did it online. So, mm-hmm. so this is again, people can come to Nashville or watch it online. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. But we're doing things a little bit different this year than we did the year than we've done in previous years, and we did in 2021 and 2022. This year, what we're doing is we've got uh, Friday evening and all day Saturday. 
That is going to be at SIR Nashville, where we did the first one that you were involved with, Tim. Mm-hmm. That's going to be there. But on Sunday, we're doing just an online, we're just doing like online only speakers. That makes and, sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's because last year it ended up being that we did two on site presentations on Sunday and well actually three but that's kind of a long story but uh, most of those on Sunday were just where they were just online so it made more sense to do it this year yeah. having a just purely online day uh, Sunday you know the conference is kind of any, anybody that's been to a conference you know it's it's winding down kind of anyway and it doesn't take away from the value of the speakers that you have mm-hmm. sure but it's like you know, it, it just it felt like that was probably the right move. Right. For so. the attendees there, you know, it's harder to draw them to watch uh, the projection of, uh, of the live uh, or of the streamed presentations. Yeah. 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 The whole thing's online this year. The okay. Whole, so so, so yeah. people who aren't there can watch every presentation. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. Right. And you guys put a lot of work into this. This is a serious question. Do you stop working on one and immediately start working on the, the following year? Uh, that is a good question. I think the conversations at least start at the conference itself, probably. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know for myself that I'll usually start thinking, okay, what could we do for next year? Is there something we could do for next yeah. year? I think... I think this year we debated, oh, are we going to do this one or not? And finally, I think in like February, I decided, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do it this year. And you may notice, too, that it's a little later this year, by about three weeks, than it normally has been the last couple of years. Yes, which is kind of a good thing for me, coming off the heels of that right. which day and, you know, I'm sure you know the uh, the pressure for us paranormal type podcasters to pump out content around Halloween. Ooh. Right, right. So it, that was really just a way to like because there's so much going on here in Nashville, and, and and really for a lot of people, there's so much going on in October anyway mm-hmm. that we decided that like okay, we think it would probably be better as doing it like a post Halloween mm-hmm. uh, type thing. Yeah, yeah. So what are the dates this year? The dates are November 3rd. Uh, that's the evening of November 3rd. So we start at like 5 o'clock. We're going to go till probably about probably about 10 o'clock. And then Saturday, November 4th, we'll be starting at 9.30 and going all the way till probably around about 11 o'clock at night. So that's going to be like a full day. And then November 5th, and we have six presentations on the 5th, of which you are one of those. I believe you're going to end, you're, you're going to be ending it for us. And that's going to be from, from about, re- this. and these are central time zone uh, times I'm giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be roughly from about 11 o'clock uh, in the morning for us to about 6 o'clock in the evening. So where do people get tickets strangerealitiesconference.com exactly strangerealitiesconference.com and look it up on Eventbrite too I'm sure if I'm in Minnesota or somewhere and uh, you know I I can't attend or I don't plan on attending how does that work for those people 
So what happens is you sign up. It's it's thirty dollars to buy a to buy an online ticket for all three days. For all three days, and you're gonna you 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 sign up. You're gonna get a link to a Facebook group, a private Facebook group, and you're going to ask for admission to the group. And you couple of questions that you have to answer. And once you're admitted, you'll be able to watch it on on from the Facebook group. There'll be another option as well for people that do not want to use Facebook. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like Facebook. I can I can kind of understand the reasoning. Yeah. But there will be an option for those people as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that And I will provide that. I think so. that might have been like the number one question I got last year. It's like, why Facebook? Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. you know, yeah. it's... Well, it was the easiest, well, right? Easiest yeah. uh, place to have a private group that we yeah. could stream something to. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like the people often ask me, like, "Well, look, why do you do your merch on Etsy? Because it's the easiest place to have a storefront, and I don't have to build a you know a commerce website, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes right. these these things just work, you know. Yeah. 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 Why not use it for? for good sometimes yeah exactly <laughs> all the bad that yeah. comes out of it too exactly. and it's a private group like i control we control who gets in that group and mm-hmm. it's only people that 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 pay so but there is going to be another option for people that don't want to use that sounds yeah. good well and you all can feel free to reach out uh, about any info that you need for this for the conference to uh to me or adam other than uh, this guy here who else is speaking this year well, uh, the uh, there's another person on this call that is speaking this year uh, that we that it kind of it's kind of a I guess open secret. Surfiel is actually going to be starting us off. Nice. And uh, if you want to tell, if you want to say what you're going to be talking about, Surfiel. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about uh, Nashville and a lot of the mysteries and esoteric elements of it. You know, it's where I where I grew up and where I got into all this stuff and um, I always like to share all this, this with people who are visiting. So it'll be a nice way to kick off the conference and uh, introduce people to some of these mysteries surrounding Nashville. Yeah. Tim, if you'd like, I can kind of go down the list of speakers that we have. Please do. Um, Please do. So on Friday night, like I said, Surfiel starts this off and that is followed by Mallory Sawinski, who's actually from Pennsylvania. She's going to be coming down here. She's going to be talking. She's a ghost hunter, and she's going to be talking uh, a lot about kind of like embracing the weirdness in your life. Mm-hmm. We've got Zach Hunt, uh, who's going to be talking about some of like ideas such as like the uh, the rapture and end times and how <clears throat> there might be other ways of looking at that than, than slightly through an evangelical Christian framework. And of course, ending the night is Tim Banal. So it's, I mean, that's just going to be a good time. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> and on Saturday, we've got new Cheslin Vance, who is a hypnotherapist, who's going to be giving a workshop all about a, hypno- a hypnosis workshop. Brent Rains, who we've had uh, before, he is going to be talking about some of like, the high strangeness cases that he's investigated a lot in his researcher career as a you in ufology Ren Collier who's going to be uh, talking about some of the 
like the Collins elite and uh, some kind of like UFO type conspiracy stuff. Kiki Dombrowski, who is returning this year as well, um, she's going to be doing like a, like kind of like a workshop on tarot. Uh, we've got Tobias Whalen. He is going to be talking about the Michigan Mothman and talking about how uh, we need to pay attention to the the witnesses uh, primarily. And uh, Stephen Snyder, also known as Recluse uh, from the Farm Podcast, he is going to be giving a presentation about Stanley Kubrick. And Nathan Isaac from Pennyroyal, going to talk about cattle mutilations. And then for the end of the night, some guy named Joshua Cutchin. I'm not sure who he really is. <laughs> I think he was going to be talking about some of the... Uh, I think some of the like a combination of what Tobias is talking about and some of what uh, Brent is talking about, but like looking at it a little more more closely. Christopher Ernst uh, starts us out on Sunday, and uh, what did Chris say, Serfiel, that he was going to talk about? He's going to be talking uh, about pre nineteen sixties esoteric influences on, on film. film. Yeah, and uh, David Metcalf. Who's talking about uh, horror hosts? Oh, cool! That'll be fun. And Aaron Gullius. We just talked to these guys tonight. He's going to be talking about some things from like the was he was talking about the contact about contactees about contactees some, from the sixties. He's he's going to be you know he's a he's an official historian, professional yeah. historian, and he is going to be uh, doing a study of. A local Detroit saucer and UFO clubs in the mid-century, and uh, kind of like a a case study, you know, using that local area. That should be real interesting. Yeah, and and then uh, haven't talked to them about it yet, but Michael Hughes, Soraya, and uh, some guy named Timothy Renner. Oh, that guy. That guy. That guy. Is going to be finished. Is going to be finishing up. What are you going to be talking about? Strange realities, Tim. I'm going to ask you this question next week too. But yeah, I think I'm going to do uh, Fatima. The, uh, oh, tour. nice. Okay. One of the uh, most witnessed paranormal events, at least in modern times. Yeah. Audience the size of a Super Bowl saw it. A super, not a just super like Bowl. Strange Realities. A, a Super yeah. Bowl audience. So. Whatever that is. I looked it up at one point. It's, you know, we're talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. I uh, saw something happen that day. And uh, I'm going to try not to get overly Catholic about it. I'm going to try to look at it in terms of uh, a paranormal event. But, uh, you know, the Catholic framework is upon it. So I'll try not to right. uh, hit too hard on that and I'll well, feel free too if you need to, because Strange Realities is definitely all about the free inquiry. <laughs> well, it's the um, the idea is that I want to look at these Marian apparitions, and I'm I'm going to do other ones coming up. I think I'm going to do a like I need another project, but I think I'm going to do like a like a closed um, uh, audio documentary, a, you know, quote unquote podcast, but it'll be its own thing about the Garabandal apparitions coming up because it's like it could fit on strange familiars it could fit on the flowered path but it's really its own thing and there's so much to it that i can't really justify taking up all that time with either podcast to do like a nine episode series or something on this so i'm gonna do probably do like just make it its own thing and just a closed you know it won't be open-ended it'll be 
nine episodes or whatever it ends up being and just have it be its own thing. So, but the way I'm going to look at these, all of them is, you know, I am Catholic. I was born Catholic, but I am going to look at them as a paranormalist as well and point out like, these are the things that happen around these, these events, like that also happen around these paranormal events. Cool. I enjoyed your series with, uh, the two parter with, um, brother Richard that you, that you did about that. I think that was last year. Yeah. And then you put that, you put that back up for flowered paths. So. Yep. Yep. And I've gotten some new information since then. So I will be bringing uh, some new information to this. So it's pretty interesting kind of uh, pre Fatima in- information that works right into the story. Yeah. Fatima is an interesting, that's an interesting case in a lot of different ways. Th- this other one, uh, you say was Garbadal? Garbadal. Yeah. Garbadal. Is that, is that one of the, um, is that one of the the Vatican approved ones? Nope. Okay. It hangs out there in in limbo. It, it was at first it was sort of not approved, but that was based on the findings of mainly the findings of one psychologist who talked to the seers, but he met with them for like half of a day and was really really prejudiced against the idea of this anything, you know, supernatural happening pretty much anywhere and came back and gave a report like nothing to see here. It was all based on that. And then years later, about 1980, these the events in Garbandal happened in like 61 through 65. And in about 1980, this psychologist came out and said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm, I'm not the guy to make that decision. And withdrew everything he said. So it remains at this point neither approved nor uh, unapproved. It's just kind of in limbo, the Garbandal operation. The, where did this happen? A little town called Garbandal in northern Spain. Spain. Okay. Oh, I wanted to tell you um, that I had recently re-encountered this local story here uh, when I was researching for this presentation, and Nashville actually has a uh, its first bishop. His tomb was uncovered in the 1960s when they were doing some renovation of this church here, and the body appeared uncorruptible. Ooh. And uh, there are some, I guess there's been some some kind of local efforts for some time uh, to make him a saint as well. Uh, his a, name was Richard Pius Miles. It's a very, very extensive and expensive process. Right. Yeah, I'm and sure. The reason why there aren't a ton of American saints is because all the sort of um, bureaucracy and framework for that is in Italy. And you have to pay for, you know so much stuff that you know it, it's just a, a, a massive undertaking and there would be a lot more american saints i think if it if it wasn't so expensive to do it's not it's not that the church is charging them money it's just that it costs to fly people back and forth and do all the stuff that's necessary they they have to literally get everything these people have ever written everything they've yeah. ever done you know for the, the church to go or it's a very interesting process but a very expensive one as well for sure and i don't think there's any kind of local practices or anything uh, surrounding him, but it's a interesting little bit of uh, stuff that I've recently yeah. found there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to check him out. I did a story mm-hmm. recently on Strange Familiars. I don't know if you guys heard it on, is it John Hendricks, the prophet, the Tennessee prophet, they called him. You guys know him? I know about him because of uh, Steve Stockton mentioned him. Okay. At one point, and then I was reminded, reminded about him um, when you were talking about him on Strange Familiars, 
But yeah, that's a that's an interesting story. Super interesting. I mean, that guy basically considered a nut by everybody around him, and then years later, they're looking at all his predictions. They're like, wow, he predicted this, 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 and this. Yeah. Yeah, the Oak Ridge predictions are really interesting too, where he said there'd you know be a city on the hill that would help win a war and all this, and and uh, people were like, "What? No way!" <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, fascinating yeah. stuff. Fascinating stuff. So, Adam, not to move away from strange realities, we'll get back to it in a second. But what's this other project you're doing with Nevea? This is a YouTube channel called Nevea's Nightmare. Talked her into doing a YouTube channel. And talk about like, like kind of like you know, kind of the same things that we talk about on these different shows, like these like different topics or cases, mm-hmm. and basically take a case and just like examine the case and and talk about it. I've written some of them, and she's written some of them. And uh, there's this God, I think there's like about twenty five videos up right now. Yeah, I see it pop up on the uh, in the Strange Familiars group on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I put it up there, and thank you for letting me uh, do the, I'll do all that. Oh, sure, of course. Just another outlet. It's something that, um, you know, look at, like, Strange Familiars as type of, like, a, like we try, like, kind of like a, a kind of a company to, like, to take it away from just from, you know, Conspiranormal. And she's, like, kind of the first person that's, like, neither me nor Surfio that, uh, you know, just kind of, like, more independent type of thing and you know she does a really great job with it cool yeah so you're just involved in like helping her out and stuff yeah 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 i help i help out with it and uh film it edit it all all that good stuff i've learned a lot a little bit more about video editing than i knew probably like a year ago <laughs> yeah i <laughs> people want me to do like a a video component to strange familiars and i'm so resistant to it because it's just I spend enough time editing audio, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, these are, like, you know, tops 10-minute videos. Mm-hmm. So, like, doing, like, a whole show, I think, for, like, your stuff is usually about an hour and a half. Between yeah, an hour and an hour and a half, that's, yeah. That'd probably be a little, a little more difficult, you know. Mm. So It's just a different dynamic, too. You know, with video, I feel like there's a like a pressure to perform a lot. And a lot of times it takes away from, from some other elements for a long format type of thing. Oh, I, yeah. I tell you, if there was a video, like if there is ever a video component to strange familiars, Allison will not be on it. She does not want to be on video at all. <laughs> so. I've also had, I've also, Nevaeh has also done some, some uh, interviews as well on there so she's talked to like uh kiki Nombrowski and jenny ashford she talked to josh oh ah, cool i think the latest one she had on was uh was was katie who is uh uh has her own youtube channel called katie of the night that was probably one of the most popular videos that we did it's kind of like you know it's a fledgling channel right now but i mean i think it's gonna i think it'll eventually it'll it'll start kind of going places yeah this stuff takes uh, got, time to build good 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 topics she pulled one on me that I had never heard before, which is this thing called the the Brooklyn Enigma about this, uh, this girl in the 1860s. And apparently there was this trend at the time called fasting girls. It was like considered just this trend where they wouldn't eat. Right. And this girl 
you know, she had like all these like different accidents and such, and she had like some head injuries. And so she kind of developed this kind of like second sight and she would talk to these, to people, predict when people would come in the room. She would go into these trances, deliver these messages to people. It's very reminiscent of somebody like Edgar Casey, mm-hmm. even though this is you know, probably a half a century before Casey. And it's also very reminiscent. And it, it, supposedly she didn't eat, you know, and she ate very little, supposedly. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminded me of what Christopher Ernst has talked about many times. He talked. He, he actually did a presentation on this at one of the last Strange Realities about some of these Indian holy men that don't eat and that uh, don't drink, that are considered holy by the populace. Yep. So I thought that that was a really interesting story, and it had some interesting parallels to things that came later and things that came before, and I had I had never heard of it. And so it, turned, it, it turned out, I asked Chris Ertz about it, he had heard of it because he had lived in Brooklyn at one point. Actually, one of his films that he did uh, he was actually in the same cemetery where she is buried. Ah, that was an interesting story that I had never heard of, and and Nevaeh, you know, she knew about it and she wrote about it in one of the videos. Well, this phenomenon, that, like I said, it it crosses these boundaries. You know, I mean, you find it all over the place. There's a number of Catholic saints and a lot of the mystics who had the stigmata wouldn't right. wouldn't eat. They'd eat supposedly. They just ate the uh, the host, the communion wafer. Or, or right. took, took the wine at communion, and that's it. And there were people, you know, again, who knows? But supposedly people, like, guarded them and sat with them and made sure they didn't eat, you know I mean? To, you know, like, just to check on their claims. Amazing stuff. I mean, you know, but it, it's interesting how it manifests all over. You know, it does manifest in the East. It manifests in, in other religions, too. It's very interesting. And in these, like, yeah. in this essentially paranormal account you're talking about. There's universality to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. For sure. Yeah, as Brother Richard says, whatever this stuff is, it's using the same channels to get through. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Strange realities. Give the dates yes. again. November 3rd through 5th. Right. All right. And uh, November 3rd and the 4th are at SAR Nashville and online. November 5th is online only. And there's two ticket tiers. If you want to get in the whole thing online, that's $30. And for the two days at SIR Nashville, that's $70. But if you buy a physical ticket, you can also get in the Facebook group. You can see the whole conference and view it anytime you want. Nice. Give the website again. It's uh, www.strangerealitiesconference.com. All right. And where can people find Conspiranormal? People can find Conspiranormal. Well, we have our website, even though I haven't updated it in a while, conspiranormal.com. But uh, we are anywhere podcasts are, just like yourself, iTunes, Spotify, any of the podcasters out there. YouTube, we are also on there, too. So there's a Conspiranormal YouTube channel where we put up a, a graphic with the, uh, and, and the audio. All right, we'll put links And up. also on there, you can see the Strange Realities previews shows that we're, that we're, that we're doing right now, too, and that we're soon going to have Mr. Renner on as well. Nice, nice. I'll put links to all this in the show notes so people can find it. Adam and Surf, thanks so much for coming on Strange Familiars. It's great to talk to you guys. Always good to talk to you, Tim. Thank you.
Next, I'm going to present my talk with Jay. I'd like to welcome Jay back to the show. How are you doing tonight, Jay? I'm good, Tim. How are you doing tonight? Very well. Very well. Well, you're a somewhat rare, but becoming a little bit more common returning guest, which I like, like picking up extra stories from people. Now, you were on episode 218, which was called What Was on the Roof? And Correct. if I remember the story, there was something on the roof of the house. I think, was this your parents' house? Yes. That looked like your brother, and, and your brother, he wasn't even living home at the time, right? That's correct, yep. Yeah. So I don't remember every story, but a few of them stick in my head. So. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a lot of extra instances or experiences since then, but I've had three notable experiences, and two of them are in the same vein, the same genre, I guess, the best way I can put it. And one is just sort of humorous. And I kind of wanted to delve a little bit more into the first and the third one, just because of the nature of the experience, the feeling of the experience. And I wish I had listened to Magnus's episode that you just posted on YouTube about five days ago before calling you, because that's almost, it's a lot of what I was thinking. There's a lot that he was talking about. There's a lot of perspective that he has that I kind of feel like there is a lot of similarities there. Okay. So, so, so Magnus for listeners, guys, I'm not sure exactly when this will be published was episode 421 waking to weirdness. And right. He was pretty emphatic that his experiences were hypnopompic illusions as he was waking up. Right. And I've had a harder time with accepting that it's a hundred percent external. Mm-hmm. That it's it's either co-creation or it's me and I'm just experiencing a level of myself that I don't recognize as per like what a lot of like what Soraya says, mm-hmm. you know. So is no less interesting to me than it, an outside entity. It's all kind of woven into the same fabric of weirdness. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if there's a whole different aspect to myself that I'm not even consciously familiar with or able to regularly access that's a lifetime's worth of of work and journey sure for certain absolutely so the first experience and the third experiences both share the same effect of being dragged or pulled into a sense of experiencing things on more than one level being able to be almost like lucid dreaming. It's that sort of in-between state. But I'll tell you, I've had situations where I'm getting that and I feel that pull downward and I try to pull myself out, shake my head and kind of reorient myself and go back to bed and it comes right back. It's not like I feel like I have control over stopping it. Mm -hmm. It's going to tell me what I need to see or hear or experience. And and I'm just got to go for the ride. So both of those experiences, first and the third experience that I'll relate are the same. And the first one, lying in bed, flat on my back, kind of get, start getting in that mode. And I felt for what I think is probably the first time 
a restrictive sensation. I don't want to say a force. What I would assume is what people experience when they say they are sleep paralyzed. Like you can't move. You can't. Mm-hmm. You're um, restricted. Wider vision than I should have, which is something that you came up with with this last episode 421, which I couldn't put words to. So I appreciate you doing that. And there was a image of a torso, muscular, head, kind of a brownish color, very cartoony, not very well defined, with large, light, pale yellow or maybe white eyes, and of all things, horns, which is, I mean, just weird, mm-hmm. restricting me, holding me down. Oh. And the thing that spurred me to pull myself out of it, I guess, in my right ear was a chuckle. And it wasn't like a friendly chuckle. It was like a deep, sinister chuckle. And the response that I had was fear on a level that I don't ever remember experiencing before. It it wasn't like a manly yell. It wasn't like a masculine response. It was like a whiny pleading vocalization. Like I didn't say anything. I just kind of whimpered and yelled and was able to drag myself out of it. And it was like a couple of the, it wasn't even more than maybe about 10 seconds or 20 seconds worth of experience. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Well, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. enough. I'm going to jump to the third experience because it's the same mood and then i'll go back to the second one which is a lot more humorous okay in this first one though before we move on was there a period that you sort of woke up or did it just go from being held down to and being immovable to suddenly you could move and whatever this thing was wasn't there as far as i am aware i was conscious and also experiencing on another level at the same time. Like I knew my body was in the bed. I knew my head was on the pillow. My eyes were closed, but I could still tell I was in the bedroom. I could feel the blankets on me. It's not like I lost any sensation. I mean, I didn't sit up until after the experience and it was so quick. I mean, it's really difficult to be 100% sure. Mm Mm-hmm. But it but, wasn't like, uh, you know, normal waking up from a nightmare, say, where you're like, whoa, you have this period of like shaking yourself awake kind of thing. Right. Exactly. I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't like I woke up from that. It was like I was trying to break free from something and I needed to move, turn, change my position, recover. So, yeah, it didn't feel like waking up. Okay. That's for sure. All right. So here's the third experience. Yeah. So third experience, this was definitely more of a dream. Although I, again, I'm aware of my body and in this experience, I've got the same pull, but in this experience, I don't have any sensation of restriction. I just have a, a sensation of my body is more useless than anything. Like I know my arms are where they are. I know I'm lying on my side. I know my head's on my pillow. But everything's occurring in my head or in the head region because it's all imagery. I don't know if that's even a good way to explain it. I sound crazy. but um, <laughs> It's really hard to explain this stuff. Yeah, it's all right. 
So what I'm experiencing, I'm in my bed, in my room, but I'm also in another room, in another bed, and catty corner, like, like angled just to the upper right of me is another bed, and there's a person in that bed, a male person, who is lying on their stomach, and his foot, and the bed is close enough that his foot and ankle and a little bit of his leg are on my bed. And I can feel that pressure on my bed. And there is a thumping noise that I take to be a front door. The guy has short, kind of messy, brown hair, balding, pulls off a cover and gets up and goes to the door. And just as soon as he leaves my line of sight, there's a doorway like right in front of me. So his bed would be just to the right of the door. And I can look outside the door and see a hallway. But just as he leaves my line of sight down the hallway, there is a silhouette, a pale silhouette. And it forms into a figure that I can only describe as what you would consider a gray alien. Big eyes, big round head but real short or real small thin mouth and nose and thin chin real long neck almost skeletal body i mean like very classic mostly new sci-fi kind of takes on gray aliens Mm -hmm. and it's not moving and i get the impression that it is just a statue like it's not even real it's just an image it's just a placeholder a projection and again my response is so surprising to me again that same like pleading it's almost like a childlike plea for help or plea for something to stop, except I did say something this time. I said, why won't you two leave me the F alone? Now, there was only one being in the room at the time or one image of a being at the time. The other guy could be considered the second person. And I don't have, again, trying to describe what comes out of me in this case and how it came out. I didn't think about those words before they came out. It just fell out of me. Hmm. It was like, like I wasn't really cognizant of what I was saying until I was saying it. And I don't think I've experienced that level of fear where I just sort of respond like that. Like I've gotten cold fear. I've gotten the, you've done something wrong, Jay, and you're in trouble fear. And I've gotten the the startled jump scare fear, but this was like a long-term tormented responding to that kind of issue fear. Like I'd been experiencing this for a while. Like I've been in- encountering these two things for a while. Hmm. And it was wild my head because again very much maybe like we all are we want to figure out what it is we want to be analytical about it we want to break it down and i can't for the life of me figure it out (laughs) i have no idea what i'm experiencing why i'm experiencing it why 
I'm seeing what I am. Is it a screen memory issue? Is it me projecting? How much is it me? How much is it it other than me? How much is co-creation? And my frustration is the lack of agency. Like I don't have any say mm. in these interactions. Oh, I'm not allowed. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not allowed to like engage. I'm not allowed to inquire. I'm not allowed to be on the same level. I'm like being told or shown or made to experience, but it's something so surreal, so yanked from my subconscious maybe that I can't suss out what the reasoning is for the experience and why I'm being shown shown these these things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. No, I get that very much. I've had more than one person contact me and say, you know, this, the abduction experience is a shamanic experience and you should just surrender and go through it. And I mean, I can see that, I guess, but kind of want to know what I'm surrendering to. Right. Yeah. I don't want to just surrender to some random entity, you know, that I don't know anything about. Like, let's have a conversation first and then I'll make the decision. Don't just. Right. Yeah, there's something uh, disconcerting about that whole situation, and it, it doesn't feel right to me. It feels like there's a consent issue that's not happening. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And the fact that my response is one of such a visceral, almost childlike response makes me feel like maybe whatever I'm experiencing doesn't have my best interests at, at heart, why should I surrender to something that is potentially harmful? I agree a thousand percent. So, yeah. So those two fit the same bill. And this is all, I should frame this, this has probably been in the last year or so that I've had these three experiences. I feel like maybe they come in clusters. It's really not a regular, regular experience. Yeah. Me and if you know, I get little stuff like little weird stuff that happens where synchronicities and stuff during the, my waking hours. I mean, I'm just so much more able to go, okay, that happened, that's cool, mm -hmm. or or oh, that was a little scary, or you know, that startled me. But I'm able to kind of like shrug it off. This is different, this is not the same, it was very different. Mm -hmm. Third experience, which I actually really enjoyed, and I'm looking at metaphysics because of it. I used to have a little bit of interest in metaphysics. Now I'm getting back into it. It was definitely a dream. I was lying in bed. Bed was a room with a low set of drawers or wardrobe and then a giant TV. It felt like it was a motel room. And in front of me was a triangle about the size of a human, taller than it was wide, greenish but muddy with maybe little flecks of lighter and darker material and then also outlined in a lighter color and on the two tall sides at an angle were another two triangles at almost like a 45 degree angle and it was dancing it would move where one triangle arm would extend and then the opposite base triangle angle on the side would retract and it would go back and forth like that. Hmm. And it kind of 
felt like there were maybe unformed or partially formed fingers. I don't think there were more than three on the end of these other angled triangles, the, uh, the ones on the 45 degree angle. And each triangle ha- was outlined in its own outline. It was like they weren't one entity. It was like three pieces of triangle connected together. And I woke up and I sat up and it was in my room doing the exact same thing as I looked at it and it kind of faded away and I chuckled and I went, oh yeah, that's a thing. And I kind of went back to bed. <laughs> as you do, you go right back to sleep. I, yeah. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> I've just seen a giant dancing glowing triangle. Ah, it's time to go back to bed. Yeah, no, that was cool. That was fine. <laughs> uh, so the, the point of the big, the, the center triangle, it was pointed down. Pointed upwards, I'm sorry. Pointed upwards. Pointed and then sort of like a fork, except those those tines on the side would be at 45s. Okay. And they'd be in way up the sides of those, the longer sides of the triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so all three triangles were pointing upwards? Basically upwards. Okay. Yeah, the, the other two on the side were pointing upwards, but more toward like 45-degree angles. Oh, gotcha. Off to the so one would one would extend more longer than than the other, and then that chunk of the bottom of the main triangle would sort of recede into the body mm-hmm. and kind of like a a weird looking instead of a very regular looking triangle, yeah. and then it would switch go back and then it would switch back and forth, and it was basically dancing, which was just really weird. Yeah, that's but it makes me. <laughs> You think about thought forms and egregors and metaphysics and, you know, how things may be not 100% formed on the, I don't know what you would call it, the psychological level or whatever. But I, I don't know. It was just really cool. And I really enjoyed that because it didn't scare the crap out of me. Hmm. I'm trying to imagine if I woke up to a geometric shape dancing in my room, if, if it would be frightening or not. <laughs> I don't think I'd like, yeah. I don't know, but maybe that, that see, but I'm tainted by the grays. Like anything that's in my room at any point, I'm going to be like, all right, out, out with you. Yeah. I, don't, I don't trust anything. The grays ruined it for all of you. Yeah. This didn't feel like it had like a personality to it. It didn't feel like it had an intellect. It almost just felt like it was a thing that was just doing whatever it was doing. That's what it was supposed to do. It's dancing doing its thing. It was kind of like oh. the astral version of those uh, things they put out outside of used car lots. Those dancing, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, the flappy dudes, flappy yeah. arm guy. Yeah. yeah, yes, the astral yeah. version of that. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Is that it for that one? That's it. Okay, yeah, that's I didn't want it. to interrupt your flow by going backwards. The interesting thing I heard you say more than once, as regards to the other two and it may apply to the third one as well, is co-creation. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't I don't want to speak for you or any witness, but to me it sounds like you're leaving room for there being something other that is either using or working with your subconscious or, you know, whatever, however you want to phrase it, to uh, mold these things that you're seeing or, or to uh, to put on the costume that you saw them wearing or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I don't want to completely 
excise myself from the process. I don't want to victimize myself. I want to leave room for the fact that there are parts of me that I don't understand Mm -hmm. and that I am contributing in some way. I mean, I, I think about it from the perspective of if I go about my day, my actions have snowball effects on the world around me. And it could be something simple as saying something polite or something rude to another person. So who knows how much I'm investing my energy in these experiences and are they attracted to me because of that or am I putting out some kind of a welcome that's asking for this on a level that I'm unaware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhat troubling questions, but questions um, I've asked myself as well. It feels external. I'm speaking of my own experiences. They feel mm-hmm. external, mm-hmm. but I leave the the possibility that, that it's exactly what you're saying. Maybe it's something that, that comes from within me in some way that I don't understand. Yeah. Even on a fairly conscious level, people in general are hard on themselves and are highly judgmental and can be self-damaging. So there's no loss of or lack of negative things that we do to ourselves. So even though I feel victimized in this situation, there's nothing in my experience that says that this is a hundred percent external. I feel like I will come down just so, you know, again, speak of my own experiences. I will come down a little bit more on the side of the fence. That's, you know, there's something external going on, but Mm -hmm. I'm still on the fence. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I agree with you. You know, I mean, we all have our own perspective. We only only have our own experiences to go by. Mm -hmm. I can't discount anything you're saying. You can't discount anything I'm saying when it's something so internal. Right. Right. And these feel like as bizarre as they are and as removed from, from the rest of our, you know, everyday experiences as they are, they do feel somewhat like they're for us. Mm -hmm. Like now what that means, I don't know. But mm-hmm. it does feel like like they, whatever it was, whatever these things are, showed up for you, right? Right. I mean, and maybe it's only that, but it, it, I don't know. There's something about it that feels like, and I'm not saying we're special people or anything like that. This could be the doorway into it being specifically coming from us. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying there's something about it that feels so specific to, they didn't just walk down the street and enter a random house. Right. Yeah. So, right. But I don't know. I, I Maybe they did. I mean, you, you can apply that on so many other levels. You know, the most common being, if we want to talk about it from a religious Christian perspective, God has a plan for everybody. Mm-hmm. So the experiences that you experience are laid out for you. you. The people that you deal with, the people that you help, the people that you are in conflict with this all has meaning it all has purpose it is a level of fate because there is a plan and you know that can easily extend to other vibrations other levels 
other awareness experiences. I mean, would it be more acceptable if it were a saint that I were seeing, you know, that I was seeing somebody who was a, a tortured saint? Would it be more acceptable if it was now blanking on the guy's name who saw Mary? His son has a podcast on YouTube. I can't remember his name. But I mean, does the clothing matter? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And like my deep dive into Catholic mysticism, if I see anything at this point, no matter what form it takes, I'm going to say the Hail Mary, just coming coming from a Catholic perspective. That mm -hmm. ends it for the, with the grace for me, which okay. throws up a huge question mark. It's just like, okay, mm -hmm. why does why does that work? And and again, this might be a personal thing. It might be you know because of my personal beliefs, et cetera, et cetera. But there are plenty of instances of saints who had visions of the Virgin and rebuked it, and it disappeared. Then they were like, well, then it wasn't what it appeared to be. So for my part, I'm doing the same thing, no matter no matter what shows what form it takes when it shows up, and then I'll go from there depending on how it reacts. But no, it's interesting that that you brought up saints for, for that specific reason. They will, you know, rebuke any vision. Like that's that's sort of the the teaching. Like rebuke whatever comes, and then see what happens. Because uh, and if, it, if it goes um, away, it, that's one set of information. If it doesn't, then you know that's another set of information. Gotcha. Well, I mean that's a very reasonable thing to do, considering using the Lord's Prayer or another holy prayer works it seems to work yeah so yeah. that's a reasonable thing to i think know of. I've shifted by you know i read so much about these apparitions and, and marian apparitions and you know apparitions of saints and so forth and i'll tell you i am no longer thirsty for an apparition because there's many many things out there who will be glad to take the form of anything that you might desire <laughs> And, mm -hmm. and use that form for their own purposes. So for me, mm -hmm. for me personally, I'm no longer, I'll just like, I'll just step back and whatever happens, happens. I'm not, I'm not going looking for anything. Yeah. And I think that that's a, again, a, a wise and healthy thing. The last time I asked for anything, I got my wit scared out of me. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. Is that a, a tellable story? Yeah, we did cover it. I'll, I'll go over it again because it bears repeating. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and thought, well, maybe I need to ask whatever it is to reveal itself to me. So that was what I had for a couple of days. And then before I went to bed one night, I decided to put that out there. I mean, really verbally. And went to bed and had an experience where I was in a bedroom as a child where I used to sleep as a very, very young child. And there was a knock on a door and I opened it and there were two people who came in the room who were dressed like kids from Children of the Corn. Basically kind of like that 1800s mm -hmm. suspender, wide hat. No black eyes on these kids. They look like kids, but the terror response was equivalent to the two experiences that I related tonight. Hmm. And there were two of them, which is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. So the last time 
I mean, first time, last time I've ever asked. I don't want to know. Yeah. If I'm not going to see what it really, really is, right. like if it's, if it's going to break my brain because I have to look at whatever it really is and I don't want to see that, then I don't want to see it at all. Yeah. How's exactly. that? Yeah. 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 I don't want some Lovecraftian horror appearing in my room. That, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My brain all just eyes snaps as soon as I see it. Yeah. <laughs> eyes and mouths and nothing else. Yeah, exactly. You know, with Joshua Cutchin and the ecology of souls concept. And I was just listening to one of Soraya's latest with Ren and Barbara about gin last night. I'm kind of on that same feeling where there's probably a lot going on. There's a lot of wandering stuff that we don't have direct notice of and putting out intention might attract any number of things. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's the Ouija board equation. Uh, Ouija, yeah. Ouija boards in and of themselves aren't bad or evil. What's, what's wrong is you never know what's on the other side. Exactly. You don't know what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You don't. And such a cliche thing to say, but it's so true. It comes to <laughs> like yeah. when I was a kid, ruining around with this stuff, and I'm just like, ah, cavalier about it. Like now that I'm 51, and I'm like, that was a stupid thing to do you little idiot maybe you should probably mind in your own business you know you know i think some of us as regards this stuff we kind of have to put our hands on the hot stove maybe more than once before we learn (laughs) yeah yeah that's uh that's reasonable that yeah that sounds like me it's Mm -hmm. especially because it's there's a real sort of enticing wonder that goes along with the fear Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, it's very seductive. Very, very seductive. Yep. Yep. That that adrenaline rush that you get on top of it is a big deal. And we get addicted to that. Oh, we yeah. really do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Jay, you said that if any listeners want to contact you, you'd be happy to talk to them about these experiences. So if you want to give your email address, go for it. Yeah, that'd be great. My email is frostjohn. 361 at gmail.com and that's spelled F as in Frank, R-O, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, J-O-N as in Nancy, 361 at gmail.com. All right. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Jay, thanks for coming back and catching us up. I I like getting uh, return stories from people because it sort of drives home the point that these stories don't necessarily end once people come on Strange Familiars and tell them. Sometimes they keep happening, so stay in touch. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thanks for speaking to me tonight. Sure thing. Thank you. No Curiosity of the Week this week. We'll be back with one soon. In the meantime, you can check out our Etsy shop. Our shop name is Lost Grave. There's links in the show notes. For Strange Familiars merch, you can go to strangefamiliars.com merch. I want to thank everybody who's been buying the new t-shirts. They've been selling really well. Thank you so much. That's a huge help. You can find links to those t-shirts again at strangefamiliars.com merch. All right, we will be back on Halloween with a bonus episode for everyone. 
So stay tuned for that, and thanks for listening. Looking for something to do after Halloween is over? Are you into the strange, bizarre, and unusual? On November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the Strange Realities Conference is coming back to Nashville, Tennessee and streaming online. Come join us for three days exploring mysteries, supernatural, the occult, weird history, and more. Featuring lectures, presentations, and workshops by Tim Banal, Zach Hunt, Melvin Vance, Bryn Collier, Tobias Whalen, Brent Rains, Joshua Cutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Christopher Ernst, Aaron Gullius, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Mallory Semwitsky, Soraya Azkap, and special guest Steve Berg as your master of ceremonies. Make sure to join us for the fun and informative weekend online and at SIR Nashville November 3rd and 4th and online only November 5th. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, no underscores. Please give us a follow there, and you can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
lightning way Brother of song through night and day Brother by time, by drought or flood Brother by deeper root and blood And lo, the blood falls at your feet Colors red the waving weed And runs upon the swaying rod There is a blood moon in the sky There is a blood moon in the sky There is a blood moon in the sky, moon in the sky. 